Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. Okay, Richard, I want to say thanks a lot for taking the time uh, out of your busy day to join us here on the show. Um, yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. Look. Yeah, really looking forward to talking about um, you and then also AFS. Uh, you guys got a lot of products, um, so and our audience is always looking to learn more, and myself as well, about foils, boards, wings, everything. So I'm really looking forward to this. Cool. Nice. So let's start out with a little bit about you. Um, how did you first off find wind? But let's start there. Yeah, my first background was actually windsurfing. I've started around, uh, I guess, around 18, 19 windsurfing. Actually, I'm originally actually from Paris area, so I was not living on the coastline until I got to about 20, yeah, 20 years old, pretty much. So I've done all my studies and uh, pretty much been born and raised around Paris area. But then I moved in the south of France, actually, to, uh, yeah, for my passion of uh, windsurfing that was uh, getting uh more and more i was getting more and more obsessed by it and um, i felt like i needed to move on the coastline for for some reason <laughs> good reasons i guess yeah so i've been fully, fully into windsurfing for a couple of years and uh, it was around uh end of uh, 1998 1999 something like that then it was also the beginning of uh, kiteboarding back then and I had a chance to try kiteboarding uh, then. That was actually a great solution for light wind uh, riding, basically, for all those non-windy days or light wind days. I was mainly, as I was mainly focusing on wave riding, um, windsurfing, like I needed quite a decent, decent strength of wind, actually, to, to enjoy myself, especially in the south of France. It needs to be quite windy to be wavy. And uh, so, yeah, kiteboarding came along and been hooked on it straight away. Also, I was windsurfing and kiteboarding uh, at, at the same time, pretty much like when it was light, I was kiteboarding, then strong wind windsurfing, then moved full time pretty much in, in kiteboarding then after, because it was actually the beginning of all the comps uh, in France and in Europe and stuff like that. You know, I think a lot of a lot of guys got really excited by the, this new uh, era of kiteboarding and uh i've actually been uh yeah doing a few comps doing a few okay results and and uh got actually the chance to to have some sponsorship sponsorship deal that came uh pretty quickly actually because um back then a lot of brands uh, were looking for some uh, ambassadors to yeah to represent them uh, on comps either in France or all over the world, pretty much. And I had the chance to, yeah, to be, to, to find those nice sponsors that uh, gave me uh, the life that I had for about 10 years. So I've been doing a lot of um, comps and uh, trips um, for the magazines. Oh, and that's pretty like awesome. That nice. Which brands did you start writing for? My main sponsor was um, Flexifoil for quite a while. I've had a few other ones before, but Flexifoil, this UK brand that, uh, Aaron Adlo was sponsored by it, actually. So I've been writing for other brands also before. But um, yeah, it was a great experience because I've, I've learned a lot, actually, on the the whole, uh, yeah, the, all those different spots, and different area and uh, different habits for 
from yeah from I would say different markets also in a way. Um, it was, even though I was not involved into uh, commercial uh, back then, uh, I still learned a lot about how it was working. You know, in some places there were uh, not so many shops, but loads of uh, kiteboarding schools or kiteboarding centers and stuff like that. You know, in some other country, we were visiting sometimes some some shops and everything to do some promotion and stuff like oh, okay. that. Okay, nice. So that gave you so pretty interesting. That gave you a pretty good intro into what you're kind of doing now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was also actually my first go on a, on a foil without being uh, pulled by a boat. Basically, uh, I don't know if you you look. Were you kiteboarding before? You um, I started. I started windsurfing. I think I've been doing it for ten years. My brother was windsurfing before, and okay. he got me into it. And then I got hooked, and the world stopped, and I just windsurfed. And um, <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> and, sa- and same kind of thing. We're always looking for. Ob- some nice waves, nice swell to ride. And then we found that we had to go higher and higher in wind, um, in swell to get, to get that. Yeah. And then, then foiling came around and, um, a lot of us then have taken that time to multi-sport kind of master. So it's like focused some yeah, of that energy yeah. towards this. Um, so yeah, I, d- I have kited. I wanted to kite a little bit more this summer, actually, just get on the surfboard and get a bit more fluent, um, just to work on different sports, which I think they're all amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I agree with that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like um, I've been focusing quite heavily on some sports for some stage and everything, but uh, I'm always more than keen to to jump on a winter for or jump on a kite at the occasion. Oh, sure. yeah. Nice. So how did it, it was living just as a Paris or in Paris? How did you originally get interested in water sports, period, given there's not too much water you're saying around there? Well, yeah, I think the first uh, the first good. Um, I mean, my first interest into it was really some of my friends from Paris area. Um, uh, I've gone on holidays with them in the south of mm-hmm. France, and they were already windsurfing because they were spending their holidays there since quite a while. And uh, yeah, I got interested by that pretty much straight away. And uh, I think I all I've always had a taste for for water. I think for water sports because uh, even a tiny bit earlier than that. Um, I felt like I was um, there was something about it here yeah, for mm-hmm. me. So even though my parents were not at all into any water sports or whatever, you know, like uh, it's funny sometimes you feel like the ocean is uh, a yeah. You. There's <laughs> something because um, I'm, I'm living in U Clulet right now, just in on Vancouver Island, and I'm just started surfing actually. So I okay. go out there and I surf in the evenings, and there's something. Yeah, there's something that that the ocean calls, and it's, even if you get an hour per oh, day yeah. and you get to sit there and you get to watch stuff, there's something how it makes you feel. So I'm I was always curious uh, about that. So you went yeah. through a bit of a pro career, and then when did you start with uh, with AFS? So AFS is actually pretty recent because um, uh, I've been I've been working for a long time for Takuma actually. Um, yeah, since the beginning of the company uh, until uh, a year and a half ago. And um, I really wanted to get more and more involved into uh, R&D. And uh, AFS offered me this opportunity of, as they had, we are um, a full factory. So it was much easier for me to get involved into um, product development because there was need um, um, and more opportunities basically to develop some new product and everything because uh, as a factory it's actually much easier to uh, 
to release some new uh, foil design or board design because you don't have those um, strict um, numbers of foil that you're supposed to to to, to release or to sell before you you get to to be able to develop another one basically there's no moq uh minimum of quantities and stuff like that so you could be more creative i think if you got uh, this um th this opportunity to to be able to go for some pretty specific fall every now and again even though they are not going to be the most demanded on the, on the market you end up being able to um, to produce them so it keeps the the excitement uh, of a passionate person like me, I guess. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Um, so yeah. what I, I would like to kind of go through all the products that you offer. Um, but maybe let's start off with, let's start off with foils. How about there? Yeah. So, so we've got um, a whole range of foil going from beginner to pretty much pro riders, which we're trying to push as much as possible the performance side of it also to make sure that people won't get bored uh after a certain time i'm i'm fully aware and i'm fully convinced that the gear uh could get people which get bored pretty quickly with the sensation from what they get from one spot or another one with the right equipment it keeps the excitement uh, alive for, for for quite a while and I'm, I'm actually quite convinced by that um so yeah we go from bigger foils like let's say uh flyer full set which have uh pretty big um, span, but a really thick profile. So to create this uh, great low end and um, the capacity of uh, flying actually pretty slow. So you're able to get a great lift even without going fast. It's pretty reassuring. This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in La Ventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10 kilometer downwinder done with my buddy mickey from salt spring island today i got in an epic one with my friend Britt. um we went from latuna all the way to the beach and back um heck of a fun time if you're looking to learn there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at saladita kite school they are positioned at latuna and now that i've been here a little while i've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots it is one of the more beginner friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at saladita kite school at saladita kite school. For any beginner, uh, great loss speed lift and great stability in general. And then after we move into the performer range, which is more of a all-round uh, great evolution for it basically that's going to allow you to get faster more glide than the flyer range and um, by reducing the size of those four you're getting more and more performances obviously and uh, it goes from uh, 1900 uh, centimeters uh, to uh, 750 so there's quite a few sizes on this range 
And uh, what we've been releasing the last couple of months is that those um, old Motoblock foils, which are the high end from the AFS Advanced range, which are looking a bit like that. I could show you one. That's the latest release, actually. That's this one. It's the Silk. So those one are full Motoblock, except the tail is um, changeable. So there's a couple of screws for, for the tail here. But the rest of the foil is a, a one piece, basically, just attached the mast. So uh, what it allows us is actually to reduce uh, quite dramatically the, the size of the fuselage. And by then, we are reducing quite dramatically also the drag actually, of the foil. So those foils have an immense um, glide, even though this one is more of a surf foil or ray riding foil, we call it. Um, the, the all the other foil from the range uh, from AFS Advance have a huge glide and basically great performance all around from glide to um, um, turning ability to to the capacity of handling high speed also. So that's the this one is the Silk. That's the one that we've been developing with Laurent Borgna. Uh, he's been specialized into a this kind of design for quite a while. He was doing this kind of design for Takuma uh, before, and uh, he's been working uh, heavily on those kind of design with um, yeah, qu quite a few details on it that makes it that special. And uh, this this one is probably one of the first foil where the, the flex in the tips of the foil has been worked uh, pretty much like a, like a surfing fin in a way. So. It's quite flexy on the tips and super rigid uh, into the mass connection. The mass itself is super rigid, the fuselage also. But uh, this foil has a, has a great uh, ray riding foil. It needs to, to feel kind of alive, exactly like uh, you would expect a surfboard to be alive, to kind of flex, then rebound from the flex and to give you some projects and in the turns and, and also to be able to actually turn tighter and uh, so there's been a lot of work on that and uh, on the tips of the front wing. The same for the tips of the of the back wing. Actually, I, could, I don't know if you could see it, but it's quite flexy also in the tips here, while it's still maintaining the maximum rigidity here in the middle. So it's working exactly like a surfboard fin, basically. So surfboard fin is going to be flexy on the tips. Yeah. The monoblock for those at home who are not sure whether to go with a like a modular system where you have your fuse and you add your front and tail wing. Um, what makes that unique or what, why would somebody go towards a mono versus well, uh, more of a modular? For more efficiency, basically we're able to do some fold which are going to be lighter, stronger, with better glide, better performance in general, because all there's no connection anymore. It could reduce pretty much everything. Any connection needs a, to be bulky enough to be solid in a way. And if you are not breaking any of the um, rigidity of the any carbon fibers and stuff like that, it keeps the whole the whole foil a, a one piece, you know. And uh, there's not going to be any um, um, the flex patterns are going to be even pretty much all the way, if, even though we choose to add rigidity in some parts uh, using some. Uh, High modulus carbon or even ultra high modulus carbon in some in some places, we are able to control the flex much more than if there is any connection. As soon as there is a connection, there's going to be some 
um, rigid parts that are not going to be flexed in the same way as the rest of the foil in a way. It doesn't mean that any uh, dismantable foil is not going to be good. It doesn't mean that, but um, in the ideal, you want it to, to work um, to work as a one piece. Okay. So as soon as you pick the length of fuse, this like the, the size of front wing and even that, then you go with that module, you get the whole thing, and then you can add and different, differentiate your tails after. Actually, each foil has a specific uh, stabilizer size that goes with it. And uh, there's also each front wing has a specific size of fuselage, actually, that goes with it also. So everything has been tuned like um, to the max to make sure that it's going to be the, the best fitting, basically. So um, just to give you a comparison, the 1050, which is the biggest size so far, uh, has a shorter fuselage than the 850 that has a shorter fuselage than the 650 because we consider that the 650 is going to be used into decent strong to stronger i i i uh, either string uh, strong wind condition or kind of bigger waves medium to big waves so you we are we want to optimize control for this one the a50 is going to be the in between so there's a good balance between uh, efficiency and control on this one that we are looking for and uh, while on the 1050 you're not supposed to use this 1050 into huge condition. So we're going to maximize the efficiency uh, purely. We know that control is not going to be an issue because in most conditions where you're likely to use this one, you're going to want some efficiency, pumping ability and stuff like that. You know, And um, it, that, it's actually on the water. It makes a lot of sense because um, you could feel straight away that you're, you, you're all the time after some maneuverability with a big, bigger equipment. You want it, you want to be able to handle it and then to to make it turn to put it in the right spot on a wave or or on a downwinder to to take the the the, the good lines and stuff like that. While when you're using those small foil in heavy condition, you really want to maximize control because that's going to be about control in those conditions. So condition decides pretty much everything. Okay, fair enough. And so the the front wing, I'm seeing it. There's that kind of Takuma ripple effect on it. Uh, yeah. What does that do? Yeah. So this, this, uh, those bumps are actually um, affecting the the stall of the of the foil. So it's kind of making the stall much softer of the foil. That's the main attribute of those bumps. So any foil that's going to be used into those uh, rough environment, wave riding, hitting white waters and stuff like that, that's going to make the foil much more easy to control and to to. It's going to be more forgiving, basically. And uh, so Laurent has been working on those type of foils since uh, a really long time. And um, the story behind it is actually a, a young guy from New Caledonia that came up to him and uh, told him about uh, suggesting actually to try this kind of um, shapes on the on the foil. Uh, it, he was not the first one actually to do it. There was a guy, uh, I think his name is Renaud Barbier, he was doing that for Montafoil a while ago. And um, it's just that Laurent has been pushing really heavily the concept to make it uh, appropriate to those specific use of um, those specific, um, I would say, free ride, wave riding foils. And um, he was doing already some great foils before using those bumps. But uh, he's been the one pushing the most for sure on on uh, any of those uh, surfy uh, wing foiling. Uh, 
foil to, to, to push this concept, to put it to the max. So he specialized into those foil with bumps, um, with a small winglets and uh, basically extra maneuverability to make them super smooth into uh, wave riding, downwinding and all those concepts. They're actually fast foil also, but we are faster foil in the range. So we would consider them more of a free ridey uh, wave riding. Okay, foil. so what they're going to help, because sometimes when you're... Mm you're either hitting wave or even going behind a boat, you'll feel that turbulence or cross chop. So what you're saying is this will help reduce mm. some of that turbulence? Yeah, there's actually some studies, some so a lot of studies which are available on, on that. And those one have been using on windmills and, and uh, on racing boats, obviously, but uh, there's quite actually quite a few, uh, a few toys that uh, use those uh, tubercles. It's, it's not exactly new. It's been used before, and um, there's quite a few articles here that uh, shows the exact um, purpose of those kind of things on a foil. Doesn't mean that without it, the foil would not work, but for the specific purpose, like it does help, yeah, for sure. It's actually making more and more sense now that we are pushing the, the performances of the foil in each direction. It's making even more sense than before, I think. Okay, because so I'm on your website right now. And um, so even if I go over to the foiling tab, um, so you'll have your wing foiling, sub foiling, surf foiling, downwinding, and then windsurf foiling. Um, so now are, yeah. are there breaking down foils per category? Or are there some crossover there as well? Yeah, there's some crossover because uh, the steel, for example, and the pure, which is one of the other one in the range. Also, that's the one that uh, most of our, our team riders are, using on the GWA for freestyle. That's the Pure 700. This one, yeah, that's the monoblock also. We have different tails that goes on it also. Some some are going to be more surfy, some are going to be more free. Uh, racy, I would say. And the in-between also, we've got two options of position on, on the of the stab to make it either extra turny or um, the other way would be extra control, I would say, high speed. So. This foil is going to be uh, is actually a thinner profile than the Silk. It's going to be a tiny bit faster and top speed. Uh, it's going to have a huge control. This one is really excellent control. It's still going to be turny enough, actually, in a way. So both of those foils that I've shown you are actually really good crossover foils. They go from surf foiling to sub foiling to wing foiling, obviously. You could wake foil, obviously, with them also. Um, could consider be able to to windsurf uh, windsurf fall also with um, in a in a free ride way I would say even though we have uh, some pretty specialized racing uh, windsurfing fall so we would consider that most of the of the the guys which are um, falling on the windsurf with AFS are going through the specific windsurfing fall. Now you were mentioning as well for control, you can play with your tail wing. Uh, could we go into a little bit about that? Just explain those dynamics and how it affects uh, the overall experience. Yeah, basically there's a there's a balance actually to, to work on a, on a foil, and uh, there's an ideal balance normally for each front wing and needs a, a, quite a special amount of stabilization to make it uh, super efficient, especially if you want to keep. Um, this nice turning ability. If it's to just to go along, you could choose quite a few uh, few stabs. And you're gonna be fine most of the time. You are 
that's going to add or reduce your your back foot and front foot pressure if you take the the, the wrong one i would say but it's still going to be rideable most of the time but then after if you want to have the best balance and the best balance as possible for your foil uh, which is having really even uh, front foot to back foot pressure plus keeping some great maneuverability also then you're going to be able you're going to need to choose a, a stab that's going to be really suited to the to the front wing so the best way to increase the range basically of a, of a foil and to enjoy the range uh, all the way um, from maneuverability to glide to uh, top speed control and everything there's going to be one stab that's going to be better than the other one for that even though you could um, you could play around and use sometimes a bit of a bigger stab in lighter condition you could kind of create um simulation of a, of a foil that would be slightly bigger in a way but that's not what we would recommend as a daily use because uh, at some point you're going to sacrifice something so the more we go in performances in high performances the the more we realize that uh, um, there's quite a specific size of, of stab that's going to be ideal for each front wing the the good thing about it though is like uh, all those high hand foil have a huge range so most of time they are a bit more pricey obviously but most of time you end up being able to do much more than what would you do with um with a more average foil i would say i think it's quite comparable to windsurfing sails and uh, even kites in general you know high quality um gear gives you more range basically you're going to be able to have a better low end better high hand because the control is going to be increased and the and still the performance is going to be higher for everything pretty much so we realized that and um, that's why actually uh, high performance gear um, doesn't mean that it's going to be that technical to use and we end up now um, realizing actually that uh, a lot of customers could uh, end up like a enjoying some pretty high performance gear because there's high performance um, gear into bigger size of foils also it does exist we have a big um, high aspect i don't have them with me here actually they're on the booth but uh we've been working heavily on the high aspect foil uh, recently for downwinding sub foil downwinding which i've been super keen on uh, since quite a while and um, we had great results with those for those for are crazy efficient. It's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing because you're going to get uh, the, obviously a huge increase in glide capability, but uh, they're actually pretty turny for, for big foils. It's quite amazing from even with the span of uh, one, one ten meter and uh, or one meter span, you're able to turn those foil pretty, um, pretty, pretty well. And uh, it's quite surprising. You end up using those ones in uh in in activities that you wouldn't expect that them to 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 be interesting you know so i could wing for them uh surf for them obviously but i surf for them also and um most of the time they are they are good on turning because those high aspect they actually they have a huge span but actually their tips are super thin you know and uh, sometimes i think people um um kind of uh, thinking that those big spans are not going to be turning but there's a big influence on how much meat you're going to have basically in those tips and if it's a one meter span foil if it has tiny tips 
it's pretty much like saying that this foil is not it's going to be below one meter in a way you know so it doesn't emit that much force to to, to push it in the water you know those tips so that's one of the reasons why the those uh, new uh super high aspect and stuff like that are actually pretty turning for 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 those span you know that i guess actually, back then yeah. sorry a couple of years ago yeah. like the medium aspect they were so fat so if you had a 2000 that was exactly. super fat for example and you went to turn that it was like a boeing jet but now you're saying they're making them a little Absolutely. bit thinner in that so there's actually some span but not much surface area into those tips so they're actually turning for that reason. It's exactly what you're saying. It's like it, you, like a couple of years ago, a one meter span foil was probably about two thousand size, and uh, now the pure eleven hundred is actually eleven hundred um, size, and uh, for one ten actually a span also. So it's actually a pretty small foil with a big span, but it has the efficiency of a big foil basically. I mean, much more efficiency. So it's quite interesting to, to try it. And uh, a lot of guys which have a, an average level of riding will be able to enjoy those one big time because they are the, actually the one where the transition that you're going to have to do on wing falling and stuff are going to be the easiest by far. Because for one simple reason, they are the fold that brings you the most glide. And the glide is what you need to be able to um, to, to secure this transition because you're going to have more time to put your hand on the handle. And, and so what would you consider the pure and the silk then? Are they more of a, I guess, a mid kind of? Yeah, yeah. Pure, pure 700 and pure 900, they are mid aspect to us. And the silk is also a mid aspect, even though even though they are higher aspect than most of the high aspect that used to go, used to be on the market maybe two years ago. Now we're pretty much talking high aspect in AFS uh, from uh, AR11. Under it to us is pretty much um, mid, mid to high aspect. And uh, the pure height and red, which is one of the latest releases, is actually 13.3, a bit more than 13.3, I think, uh, aspect ratio. So um, the glide that you get out of it is just mind blowing. It's just crazy the, the, the amount of. Uh, of grip that you get wing folding to go upwind, but the glide that you get while you're pumping, the speed that you get when you're pumping with it also. And uh, yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. I think I was not expecting folds to go that far in efficiency uh, a couple of a couple of months ago. I thought it was not going to be possible. So yeah, 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 it's crazy. It's gone, it's gone fast this year. I think the the thing is, we, we've been working on new technologies that allowed us actually to go further on designs. And um, back then, the design were kind of stuck into what kind of uh, carbon we were able to use and um, um, the price that would, that would um, the gear would end up being really pricey if we use those different type of carbon and stuff like that, you know. But moving to AFS uh, allowed me actually to use some different uh, material that most brands would not be able to use that easily because they're pretty expensive. And uh, either uh, you work with a factory which is keen enough to do a small number, small number of release of those for with this uh, material, or 
it's going to be complicated. And uh, as a factory, we kind of decide whether we want to use this, uh, those technologies or not. And um, so we've been playing around a lot with uh, those uh, different types of carbon. So uh, regular carbon, uh, HM carbon, obviously, high modulus, but also ultra high modulus that we've been using quite a lot lately for all those um, HAs and uh, all those planes, actually, that... Uh, silk and, um, and pure in, in the range. Yeah, the, I was talking to the one of the co-founders of Apple Tree Surfboards the other day. They're based out of Holland and Portugal. Yeah. And they're a factory as well. And he said the exact mm -hmm. same thing. He can then test, develop, play, and go and use that gear and come back on a, on a much smaller scale rather than having to ramp up production and, and then not worrying about if it's going to sell Absolutely. or not. Because uh, then you're actually able to push out gear that's of quality rather than selling out batches, which happens sometimes. Perfect. Before we get too far ahead, um, I just want to, for those at home who are just getting into, what is aspect ratio and how does that, how would that affect your choice and maybe buying a foil? Well, uh, that's going to be fun. I think the best comparison would be a, a glider compared to a, a jet, uh, jet plane, basically. So um, bigger aspect ratio, like on a glider, is going to allow you to get some a great efficiency of the fall without uh, being into a great uh, energy environment. Basically, low energy environment, either without an engine or when you need some glide without something to push you, and when you're going to want to exploit um, any... Uh, for downwinding, is a great example. You want something that's going to be um, going along without spending too much energy. So you want those um, big span and uh, less cord as possible because that's going to be some friction. And uh, you want those ones to be able to to glide into those kind of low energy environment in a way. While on the other hand, lower aspect uh, are going to need quite a lot of energy to be efficient, but they're going to be great on control on the other side. So it's exactly like having a glider that's not going to be motorized at all, but that's going to be super efficient as long as you put it in the air, it's going to glide forever. And uh, the jet uh, the jet, uh, jet plane is going to need to be powered up all the time to be able to go fast, first of all. But then after, you're going to, you're going to be able to, to create a lot of control with this kind of shape. So all the, the, the racy foil or the freestyle foil, ray running foil, most of the time, they're going to have a reduced pan to be able to turn really quickly, even in high speed, while the gliders it's not their purpose to be super turning in high speed. They're going to be turning in low to average to 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 medium size medium speed, but uh, their their main goal is not top speed. It's going to be average speed basically, and um, that's why for downwinding and, and it's going to be obviously a great choice. They are super efficient. If you use a, too much of a small uh, span for downwinding, you you will feel like you're you're going to be always underpowered by your foil basically it's not going to want to create lift until you get to a huge bump with a really steep or uh, you're going to have to take your wing again in your hand and uh, to be powered up you want you need to be powered up with those uh, smaller small foil that's going to create a lot of control there's obviously the in between also those foil which are kind of mid to high aspect they are compromised, but uh, for sure, for people which are looking for new sensation, like going high aspect is quite a good solution because they have a good low hand and, uh, and they have huge glides. So that's going to help a tra transition, as I was saying just before, 
but also for to create some great pumping um, abilities for guys which are struggling a bit with uh, with the whole pumping uh, thing. The high aspect are it's huge what they what they bring to the table. So um, it's kind of good to mix it up, I think, because uh, there's no one single solution to make it uh, to make it uh, great. In there's some sport which are going to be fantastic in some condition. And some other one I'm going to be great also for depending on what you what you search for. But um, it's good to try them out, I think, because um, some people are going to be surprised by uh, how much some of those um, high performance foil are actually uh, pretty easy to use and uh, efficient to the point that it's going to help dramatically for some stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cause all, well, all we see everywhere now are, are pumping videos and then everybody's asking, what are they writing? What are they writing? How, how exactly, can they yeah. do that? Yeah. And, and, um, so then the whole discussion takes off from there, but, but, um, mm. could we look a little bit of that cord as well? So explain those for people at home. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So basically, so I was talking about the, the span, obviously span from one tip to the other. So that's going to be this distance here. And uh, the cord is going to be that distance, basically. So um, the thinner it gets this way, the more efficient is going to be the foil, especially in, in quite um, uh, soft conditions. For those of you that are just on audio, Richard's showing us. So they have the, the width of the foil and then just how thick that foil is, I guess, from... Yeah, I guess yeah. From, from the front of the foil working down towards the fuse. Um, so that that's what we're exactly. talking about and the cord but they're pretty thin overall in general there's, right there's, yeah those one yeah this one is actually a tiny bit thicker than the than the pure but still so it does going to create also some power and depending on the speed range that you're aiming to to fly and you're going to use some different profile basically so a racing foil is going to be super thin a rave riding foil doesn't want to be that thin because uh, super thin foil needs to go fast to be comfortable, while a tiny bit thicker profile will be really comfortable in speeds um, that are going to be uh, ideal for wave riding, basically. So there's a, each program of foil is going to have a, a specific range of speed where it's going to excel. And that's what you're using for. Let's say if you compare that to any uh, car or whatever, the Formula One is not going to be ideal to 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 drive into a into a super small city with a really uh, really sharp edges and stuff like that. You know, sharp corners. You're going to be probably better on going on a karting for this kind of stuff. While if you go a tiny bit uh, wider streets and stuff like that, maybe like Monaco, that's a good example because Formula One is to the cities there. Then you will be able to use a, a bigger car, Formula One, and if it goes even higher in speed, that's probably going to be a different shape again. That's going to be ideal. So there's different sizes of foil of span and everything that are going to be ideal for each um, speed of riding, okay, basically. So the optimization of uh, the size of the stab, the thickness of the profile, and the profile itself that we're going to choose is going to be on whether the speed range, the ideal speed range for this foil is going to be let's say from 10 knots to 20 knots, or if it's going to be from 25 knots to 35 knots, basically, of, um, of riding, basically. Not, I'm not even talking about the wind, uh, the, the, the amount of wind that you're going to be riding, but 
just the speed that you are aiming to, to write because uh, there's basically around approximately around 10 knots of ideal range for any uh, any any fold between 10, 12 knots maybe 13 knots and uh, this range is not extendable um, uh, at all so it's basically a fold which are super good at really high speed will never be fantastic at super low speed that's not working this way and the other way around then you could move it, move it either super low or super high. Yeah, because I was on, I was on the lake here on the island. I think it was last week, and one of my buddies windsurf foils, and I tried to keep up with him with my mid aspect Armstrong that I have. Crazy how fast when when surf foiling can be. Um, he was just ripping. So then I was trying to catch up, and eventually I gave up because if I was going to fall, oh, the, the wipeout would have been catastrophic. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's yeah. it's a fascinating learning about all of that because um, there's a lot of questions floating around, and people are just there's so much gear now um, that they're always curious what to do. So for maneuverability, you're saying we can play with either the front wing, but it's best to get your stab so your tail wing like you can cheat that a little bit for maneuverability um but it'll still you'll end up having yeah, more yeah, front foot could. or back foot pressure is what you're saying if it's not equally matched yeah exactly yeah yeah so basically for this one it's a good example i think it's a pretty small stab uh for for this size that she has also a pretty specific shape it's actually really thin stab it's super thin stab because we've been working on the flex for it so it's actually flexy in the tips pretty thin but with a profile that's still going to be forgiving enough to be a great um uh, wave riding stab basically uh, for the, the the gliders for the ha we have obviously ha stab also which are going to be a great optimization of the glide because the glide is going to be the priority for those stabs for those uh, for the priority is going to be control maneuverability and control at the same time so everything is optimized for that. The, the 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 outline of the of the stab that you can see here, and um, obviously the profile of the stab also, so as the so as the span of it. So it's just a general balance. And when you go on a foil that's really well balanced, you fully know that uh, it's going to be more forgiving than the foil that's not balanced. Basically, if you end up uh, having to compensate uh, a lot of front foot or back foot pressure on your foil, there's something wrong about it. And um, if you need to compensate in normal condition, if you get into heavier condition, the compensation that you're going to need to do is going to be huge, and uh, you're going to lose a lot of control. With yeah, with those modern foil, basically, like what Laurent is always telling us as a designer, is telling me that the. the that you will be able to stop designing foil when you will be able to get a foil that you could ride without um, basic with closing your eyes and still be able to ride so it's basically trying to get a foil that it's going to be that um, intuitive that basically you are not going to have to concentrate yourself on putting the right amount of pressure on on any legs and whatever and this foil is actually pretty close on that it's the the balance of it is pretty surprising you expect to be on the foil and trying starting to fight a bit against your uh, front foot to trying to push down the foil and stuff like we used to do before it doesn't work like that anymore this one is super even and that's why you could um keep yourself like keep your mind and concentration on the on the line that you're going to take wave riding because you don't need to take care of the height on the mast that uh, 
of the foil because the foil is pretty much uh, dealing with that automatically. So yeah. then, with your your mass track on your on your foil board, um, does it matter if you move yeah. that foil all the way to the front, all the way to the back, put it somewhere in the middle? How does that affect everything? Well, yeah, it's going to affect a tiny bit because you could still refine exactly where it's going to be the best position. But even if you put it in the wrong position, there's not going to be a huge effort for you to compensate it. And uh, because of this balance, super balance, exactly like being on a, in the middle of a stick, like um, there's not going to take much effort to go from back to from back foot to front foot, you know. And um, that was a, a big part of the job on, on this foil is uh, creating this whole maneuverability. So it feels like on, like you're on a balloon. Basically, it doesn't angle. It's, there's no the transition from rail to rail is going to be perfectly fluid. And uh, that's that's the, that was the goal on, for this specific for you know on other fall we're going to work on some other stuff even though we're trying to work on something that's going to be um uh, efficient enough and to be able to still turn those fall which are not supposed to be turning originally we want everything to be turning enough obviously and we want everything to be glidey enough even though the glide was not a priority on this foil it's super glidey compared to what was on the market like a, even a couple of months ago you know it's just that the glider that we create since then has pushed the glide to to a level that uh, there's no discussion on what's glide the most or, or not, but it's super glidey as well. Because you want a surfer to be able to pump around and stuff like that. So if there is no wave connection, it's not a good uh, it's not a good surfer anymore. So you need to have a maneuverability and pumping ability at the same time. And how um how are you making, how do you make foils for those who are, are not sure? Um, is, is it uh, a mold? Uh, I, let's go over the basics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's big, a big aluminum mold um, where there's an, a lot of, uh, we, we're doing only pre-packed carbon. So it's different layers of pre-packed carbon of uh, different type of qualities, depending on what you're aiming for. If you're aiming extreme rigidity, you're going to put some specific type of carbon in the middle middle section, for example. If you're aiming for a tiny bit more flex in some parts, you're going to use a different uh, type of carbon with different layers. And then after those, all those uh, carbon layers are put into a mold, uh, aluminum mold, that's going to be, um, that we put some uh, heat on it. Basically, it's going to be cooked. And then after this long process of uh, finish, are finishing there's a lot of sanding to make sure it's going to be extra smooth and stuff like that plus um uh yeah the whole painting and um there's there's a lot of time after it gets out from the mold to to make it uh, to make it perfect basically. okay now a lot of those then so are you having to make different so if you're going to do r&d for example you're making different molds or yeah we do some um non-definitive mold for some of the prototype we do some mold that's going to be used just for a few prototypes until we kind of know which design we're going for and then after those one are going to be different from the production mold which are going to be bigger heavier more solid and um but there's a lot of work on the computer at first uh we work with a few designers we work with a designer in the uk who's a kevin Halloway, has a huge experience in boat foiling and uh, he's been a huge help for, for us for some of those uh, specific foil, the gliders and uh, some of the racing foil. He's been the one involved with it. And uh, we've been using Laurent on the other way for, on the other side for the whole wave riding experience because you have a huge experience actually on those uh, type of foil. So 
And uh, we so with uh, Kevin, we work a lot of on CFD. And um, so we are creating, basically, we are putting on on, uh, on the paper the, the, the range of the fold that we are looking for. And he's going to create a profile and um, and uh, we're going to tweak some some stuff to make it either a bit turny or, uh, or increasing the control and stuff like that. You know, we're trying to decide as much as possible on paper on what are we looking for. And we're going to put all the, 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 the numbers that we need to make sure it's going to go this way. Basically. And then for testing, how do you, is it pro writers that test this stuff? Is, is there, does a computer help kind yeah. of have a ballpark of what it will perform like? Or? So the, yeah. So Kevin is able to, uh, gives us even before the first prototype to tell us what, what this design is going to do. And, uh, Laurent, the other side pretty much knows also, even though he's not using the computer as much as, uh, as Kevin, um, he knows some experience because he's been doing so many prototypes on the, on his own that he's been testing is actually is mind blowing the amount of, uh, testing he's been doing. Um, so there's two uh, different ways, but yeah, depending on the type of fold that we are creating, there's going to be some guys in the company, which are going to be, um, more able to test into this or or this category let's say for um speed wing foiling there's a few guys actually internally some of their some of the engineers uh kevin and quentin and uh, bruno was the chief tester uh we're going to be able to test those one i might have a go on it also some of the pro riders also uh, obviously but uh at first normally most of the guys inside the company are testing it to see if it's um if if it looks right, first of all, then after to push it to the max, sometimes we are, we're going to have our riders which are going to test it, obviously, at some point. But we're making sure that the whole structure is going to be uh, ideal and the performance level is already there. And then after we push it to the max to end up uh, knowing exactly if it's, uh, if it's top notch or not. And for the gliders and uh, downwind foil, I'm testing quite a lot myself because I'm based in the south of France. And it's a pretty famous location for downwinding. I've been fond of downwinding since day one, so I'm, I'm taking care as much as possible. Of, uh... Hey, that's fun. <laughs> Whereabouts are you in the south of France? Uh, close to Marseille, between Marseille and Toulon. And the uh, Mediterranean coast is actually uh, perfect for downwinding. It's crazy. The condition that we get there is just mind-blowing. So I've been, I've been really uh, passionate by that side of the, of the, the whole foiling uh, since uh, 2017, I was done winning on a subfoil uh, with a great friend of mine, and I've kept on doing that. Yeah, since uh, since that, and the, the the gear that that we did develop, just crazy. The amount of performance you get out of it is just mind blowing. So we go pretty often now for long distances, and I've gone for a bit more than 100k's recently, uh, foiling for. Yeah, and all along the all around the coast um, between Marseille and uh, and the other way around. So yeah, I mean, great spot for that. Goes pretty fast. You could end up doing some pretty long distances, uh, a bit a bit further, a bit a bit out from the coast. You know, so the whole uh, experience is pretty intense because the water is pretty dark and uh, surrounded by boats and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, how far offshore do you have to go? Uh, it's not that far offshore. You end up being either, I would say, between uh, between 500 meters and uh, maybe 2Ks. There's no need to go 
third option. Normally, the runs that we have, they, they align pretty well. Um, you could follow the coastline pretty uh, pretty close. But uh, still, even just the color of the water, you know, changed pretty dark blue. Then this big fish, you could see big fish. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this, this, it's a different adventure. But uh, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, it's, it's actually... Um, uh, kind of practice where it's never going to be too crowded, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, probably the closest I, I could, I could see from, uh, being the full, uh, the full package for, for freedom of, uh, surfing, you know, that there's no limitation on anything. Basically you could do as many turns as you want. There won't be anybody on your way because the ocean is quite big, you know, so. When's the best seasons then for you there for wind, like up here, it's, uh, it's spring and fall. But uh, what's it like in France? I would say the same. Yes, I mean winter time, spring and fall are ideal. Uh, even though summertime could be windy, like July has been pretty windy. I was there like uh, last week. We had a full full week of uh, strong wind between twenty five and um, and forty five knots. I would say. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You could get flat sometimes in summertime also. But uh, most of the time, uh, fall and autumn, it's windy. Yeah, Win winter time is windy also. Sometimes it's kind of could be on and off in the summer, but the rest of the time is pretty mm -hmm. windy there. Um, what did your first, I guess, when was it? And what did your first foil flight feel like? And did you think that this would ever no. get this big? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question, actually, because... Um, I'll tell you what, like if you asked me this question a couple of months ago, I think I would have been wrong because I would have almost forgot the first time I flew, I flew actually on a, on a, on a foil. And I realized like a couple of months ago that my first go on a foil was uh, behind a boat with a friend in French, Poly French Polynesia near Tahiti. And um, it was in 2003. So a long time ago. And, um, it was that that far away from me that uh, I didn't even realize that it was something that uh, I was not even shocked or excited by back then. And I, it was a friend of mine who did build this hydrofoil itself. It was a friend of mine that I was competing kiteboarding with. And, um, and we tested this gear and I've done my f first few flights, but never got, uh, I've been, they've been successful those flights, you know, but never got super excited by it because I feel like um, the fact that I was getting towed by a boat, basically, was not allowing me uh, allowing me basically to to fantasize on what can I go without, uh, what can I do without the boat, basically, you know. And that's why I would uh, um, Bruno in the company actually in AFS was one of the first guys to uh, to foil actually to windsurf foil and to sub foil uh, in two thousand nine. So super early, actually earlier than Kai. And uh, he was one of the pioneers, uh, big time of, of foiling. There were some guys foiling before him, but uh, sub foiling, I think he was really one of the first guys actually foiling without any sail or whatever. You know, he was a uh, windsurfing foiling obviously before. His name is Bruno André. And uh, yeah, he was doing that a uh, really long time ago. But yeah, first experience was 2003. And I think my second experience was probably... Uh, Kite foiling, maybe I would say around 2010, something like that. And then after proper surf foiling, sub foiling, 
and uh, 2016. So what were those foils made? Was That was aluminum back then, right? Yeah, it was already uh, fiberglass because um, it was... Um, he was already uh, working with carbon fiberglass uh, because he had a, he used to do a, a kiteboard. He had a small kiteboard shaped company uh, back then. He's now actually doing some uh, uh, Vaha, so the French Polynesian um, canoe, actually. He now has, uh, he's still working actually a lot with carbon and uh, fiberglass and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, back then it was um, the, the first one I've tried was uh, already carbon and fiberglass. And uh, the other one that I've tried after when I was kiteboarding was still carbon. I think it was uh, the brand was back then Carafino. It was one of the pioneers, actually, one of the first one on the market back then. I think he was based in Maui, if I remember well. So it didn't, I guess it didn't go mainstream until, so it was just more niche back then, I guess, eh? Absolutely. That's quite strange, actually, because it's really, um, it's pretty unique to to um, to have a sport that a lot of guys that I know have been fiddling around like back then without being um, obsessed by it, you know? And all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, uh, just seeing somebody doing something different with it, basically, open all the highs on the, what can we do with it. And I think it was really the fact that uh, Kai showed us and in a way that uh, you're able to glide without any other power than either the, the wind or, or the swell. Uh, to me, the, the first shock, the really the, the shocking part was the, the downwinding uh, images from Kai that uh, led me to, to think that it was going to be the future because uh, it really, it was, it really was showing the efficiency of a foil, basically. Before that, if you had to get pulled by a boat, or if you had to get pulled by a kite or something like that, or even by a windsurfing sail, I thought it was going to be something, but not as exciting as something that would be able to to work without getting being pulled by something, basically. And uh, being able to ride some swell for a long time. or So that added level of freedom rather than being more restricted. It's exactly that. Yeah, I think that's the freedom. The freedom part of it is uh, what got a lot of people excited. At least me, for sure. That's why I'm obsessed with downwinding because that's the activity where the freedom is um, endless. And uh, um, yeah, straight away I got hooked on it because I felt like even in 20 years, I'm still going to be able to enjoy myself uh, doing that. Whether there's going to be uh, 500 person on the water or not, that's not going to change nothing. On a regular surf spot, that's a different uh, situation. So, yeah, I think freedom is a big part of it for sure. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think it's just something that the world's going in one direction, and I think we're quite happy to uh, to keep going in this one. Um, so we talked a lot about your foils, um, but I see here that you're also making boards. And um, can we talk a little bit about your boards as well? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, on the board, um, actually the, the foil design has, uh, and the efficiency of the foil um, pushed us actually to go further also on board designs. And it's quite funny how much um, one thing led to something, um, to a lot of work basically on the boards also, because uh, once you're creating some foil which are going to be super efficient, sometimes you're going to sacrifice a tiny bit of low hand, for example. So you're gonna to need to be able to compensate that on the on the, the the board to make sure that they're gonna be helping you to to create this great um, pop up ability. 
So on the left uh, side of the screen, you could see the Pro 4.5. That's the boat that uh, most of our pro riders are riding during the comps. So it's a pretty um, chunky, chunky board, super short, obviously, but uh, still really efficient. It actually goes um, pretty, uh, goes pretty easily in flight. Actually, it's quite surprising for about this size. Super compact, great for rotations, obviously, but good for riding also because uh, super turning. There's no the length of the board. You, you don't feel at all the, the length of the board. So it's actually a really efficient board chopped off and uh, this is the fly 4.8 great uh, suffering beginner board beginner to average i would say so 39 liters pretty easy to get into waves with it you could kite with it and uh, uh, obviously wing with it also if the wind is uh, decent or if you're a really lightweight person on the right side of the screen that's the regular that's the new fly actually so those one have a new shape with a deep concave uh, on, around the feet position uh, with the extra volume on the nose. So the goal was to reduce the thickness under the feet to make sure that the foil fitting is going to be ideal. So we've been working heavily on that to make sure that the, the foil feel is going to be as good as it gets because um, that's the best way to get some more precision on uh, and also some... Um, a better transmission of the effort basically between uh, your turn when you're trying to turn or when you're trying to get to a pumping uh, sequence you want a board that's going to be super responsive to make sure that the, the information is going to get to the to the force right away and uh right yeah right under it's the blackbird that's the downwind board that we've been developing um last year it's a great board great for downwinding obviously but it's also beast in light wind winging as you might know now um those are those type of board are super super efficient in light wind in light to medium wind actually so they, ba they basically allows you to um to ride some smaller foil winging than what you were that would what you you would use normally in uh, those uh, specific conditions because the Takeoff ability is that good that you don't need to have a big foil anymore, pretty much. Or uh, if you put a big foil on it, obviously you're going to be able to ride into some condition that light that normally you would not even expect to be able to be to be on the water. So. And then what's the is it is there a cutout on the bottom here, or is that graphics or? Yeah, so there's a there's actually a, a between um, a mix between a um, pin tail and a square tail, so it's called a T tail basically. Uh, there's, I don't think there's the right view, maybe uh, maybe under with some photos and stuff like that. But it's basically a mixed on the um, a mix of uh, uh, the extreme uh, glide of a pintail and uh, the extra stability of the of the square tail. So when the board goes along, the faster it goes, the board's going to release the stabilizer and they're going to be above the water while the pintail is still going to be in the water. So it's going to be super efficient, basically. It's a board that's pretty stable for a board uh, of uh, this size, but uh, still super efficient while still being uh, pretty stable. So Is this the one that you're playing on all the time? Yeah, because I use it for winging, I use it for step foiling, and I use it for downwinding also. Okay, then you have your fire and your fly? Yeah, fire and fly, they were boards that we had already last year in the range. Uh, pretty compact board, compact but really easy. Um, great stability, wider tail, wider nose also. 
and depending on the sizes, they're actually board which uh, you could ride with with your average volume that you would ride normally. You could end up like uh, reducing the length of the board quite dramatically uh, while still maintaining uh, maintaining great stability. So great board overall and really well priced also. Oh, cool. Okay. And then we had, um, I think you had wings as well. I believe we were going to look at too. Um, so let's even start with foiling. So wing foil and then go over to your wings. Okay. So who's designing these ones? Uh, we're working with a guy actually in, um, in Brittany, pretty close from the, from the factory. We work with him, uh, since quite a while. He's got a great experience on designing, uh, wings and kites. His name is Erwan. And yeah, we've been uh, successful with our wings and so they are great. And the handling on them is uh, fantastic. In fact, they're actually really great all around wing. I'm still maintaining a level of performance super high. Like uh, our riders on the world tour are doing uh, fantastic at the moment. They're actually two on the podium right now. So I think um, they're doing a great job with this wing. The diamond is the latest release. That's a free ride performance wing. And uh, yeah, it's going to get you to to, to the, the best level like on the, for whether you're wave riding, free riding, uh, freestyling or racing, that's a, that's a wing that's going to be super efficient in, in, mo in most cases. And um, the other wing in the range that we have is the wild. This, more is, this one is a more free racy uh, wing. So it's pretty, pretty close from a windsurfing uh, camber sails, I would say. So it's a pretty flat profile. You want to be powered up on this one to be able to get the best of it. Uh, it has a great upwing ability. That's not the wing we sell the most because it has a pretty specific profile and the diamond is actually not far behind performance-wise for any racing, even though in some actually, in some type of racing, the diamond might even be better. And so, we are pushing more the diamond than the wild at the moment because uh, we felt like the handling and the general handling was better on the diamond. You could do much more stuff with it and uh, while still maintaining a level of performance that's going to be perfect. And the wolf is the, the wing that we've been selling for last two years. Uh, great wing, great all-run wheel uh, also. Uh, softer than the diamond, so it's going to be ideal for any lightweight riders. Uh, people which are riding in a um, uh, pretty strong wind that wants the, the comfort of a, of a wing that's going to be really forgiving, basically. The diamond is going to be a bit more sporty. It's going to have a more direct feel, which is uh, great for anybody sporty or that wants to, to, to feel the power of the wing in his hands and, uh, and uh, to have a great um, jumping ability also, the, the hang time that you're going to get out of it. While the the wolf is going to be a bit more forgiving, a bit less hang time, but uh, really soft in your hands. That's going to be uh, all the gusts are going to go through the wing without pulling you too much and stuff like that. You know, so great success. We've been uh, super successful with this. Yeah, I think for learning the the comfort is pretty important, and because um, I fa I found that in some older wings actually that I started riding it right hard handles and hard handles are great if you want. A specific kind of riding but still the other handles for teaching and for learning i found were were good absolutely absolutely so actually the the handles on the wheel 
they look the same as the one on the diamond, but they're actually softer than the one on the diamond. On the diamond, there's a there's an extra rigidity on the handles. Um, it's actually in between between um, a soft handle and a rigid handle. And we did find that it was interesting actually to keep a tiny bit of softness on the handles because um, even just for the comfort of your of your wrist and uh, and the fact that the wing is going to get into the wind um, sometime more precisely if the handle keeps moving a tiny bit more. It's kind of strange to um, experiment, but we've been trying uh, a lot of um, hard handles on those wings. Sometimes the performance was not as good as the, with the, those uh, soft handles because the angles that you would get out of it, either you precisely on it, and that's perfect, but if you're a tiny bit off, uh, it could go wrong, basically. So it's kind of not forgiving, basically, uh, uh, rigid handle. And um, so the in-between um, was a great uh, choice uh, for this wing because the extra rigidity of the frame of the wing already was something that was uh, adding a tiny bit of uh, physicality to the wing. And uh, if you go full blast, super rigid frame plus super rigid handles, some guys are not going to like it after after a while because uh, on long sessions, you will feel them sometimes. E even just the hands, to be honest, like your hands will get torn apart a little bit more. It's almost mm -hmm. like windsurfing cold water. And yeah. if you're in the ocean four or five days and you're and you're a softy because we're used to fresh water, it, uh, it's, it definitely starts to tear you apart a little bit. Yeah, it does. I agree. Nice. So are you getting excited then? So right now you're at an event in uh, in Germany, you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So called the Kitesurf Masters. So it's originally a huge uh, kitesurfing event, but uh, there's a wing foiling also obviously on this event and uh, it's big. I think there's a bit more than 100 uh, brands which are coming over. I'm not I'm not sure if it's uh, only kite brands or whatever, but uh, there's loads of tents and loads of uh, brands showing their product there. So it's probably one of the biggest in Europe, I think, if not the biggest. And then you're heading over to Hood River for AWSI? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in Texas a bit before and uh, then uh, Florida and then to Hood River. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever think that your transition into into pro sports would lead you down this career path that, that you have now? And Well, uh, no, at first, no. But uh, I was that passionate that uh, I guess I was dreaming about it. But, uh, but uh, until it got until I got into pretty deep into my kiteboarding career. Now, I was not expecting that, but um, I could tell that my passion uh, led me to to work a lot on some stuff that uh, I guess and I hope got me that knowledge of market. And uh, I'm trying to get involved with uh, as many things as possible because I want to understand as much as possible. So that's why I love doing a good bit of R&D also because um, it helps me a lot to be a, a better salesman, basically, to to have the knowledge on understanding how fall works and uh, where can we go with the uh, with next uh, what's going to be next step for the gear, what's going to be next trend. I'm I'm really passionate about about what's going to be the, the future of uh, our practice, basically, and uh, understanding what people are going to get bored with and what people are going to be willing to invest themselves into after. And uh, that's my obsession, basically. So that's why I'm trying to always have a, an eye on what's going to be next, basically. And uh, so far, I think I, 
I felt it okay. Like down winding, I was down winding on the sub like a sub foil in 2017. It's booming now. So I kind of know that, uh, yeah, I, fe I felt it uh, since quite a long time that it was going to be successful at some point. And uh, some some part of the uh, Howard Sports are not going to be that successful, but that's fine. Um, there's people which are going to still going to enjoy it in some part of the world. So I'm not chasing uh, business only. I'm chasing uh, passion, basically. So yeah, I think that's the key. Yeah, yeah, that's the key right there. Because then anything else is fluff, and fluff will just disappear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm trying to yeah. Keep on um, practicing as much as possible, wind foiling, downwinding, sub foiling, surf foiling, depending on where I'm going on the coast, basically, uh, for my commercial tour or promo tour or whatever, I'm going to be on phases where I'm going to be focusing heavily on the pure wave riding uh, without a wing or whatever, surf foiling. Then it's going to be pure, pure wake of uh, downwinding. Or, uh, and sometimes I could mix up in the same place also, but uh, there's different area in France, and the same in the US and all of the places where it's going to be mainly surf foiling or other places are going to be mainly wing foiling and stuff like that you know and we want to be trying to get good at uh, a lot of those practice so we are working with some great riders and great designers yeah because on the great lakes for example i did a lot of windsurfing there and that's kind of where i introduced myself a little bit to waves i guess um you could you could potentially, and on a decent day, you could do some some downwinding for sure, and get some pretty long swell rides. Absolutely, would be beautiful there. Because I've been doing loads. I've been doing the loads of that. Actually, we've got a big lake uh, close on Marseille, who's uh, really famous for downwinding. So all my first go downwinding were on this one. It's a twenty k. Uh, it's a twenty k run, but it gets super strong wind sometimes. This lake. And it's actually great for downwinding. It's fantastic. It's like a peeling wave, pretty much. You get two waves, like maybe a bit more than one meter wave there, a proper meter wave. Yeah, you could. I've been surf falling downwind also this lake before. So, like this proper waves, proper. And uh, it's actually a really popular spot for learning downwinding because the pop up is easier than when you go in the sea because the fetch and the, the wave period is actually shorter because it's a lake. What do you think about, because now the the GWA opened up their new surf freestyle kind of division where they're pushing a little bit more um, in, into the surf compared to last year. What do, you, what do you think about that, putting foils into the whitewater? Have you gone through washing machine with a foil? Um, have you had that experience yet? <laughs> it's kind of, no, I haven't been pushing too much that side of it because I've been pushing that much, that side of it for windsurfing and kiteboarding back then. I was really into wave riding for kiteboarding. So the, the whole white water hitting stuff like that, that's not exactly what I'm going to be chasing the most. I would be more open facing, open faces, uh, roundhouse cutback and stuff like that. Or even just a downwinding wave riding, you know, so there's plenty of swell, uh, with some, some, some bumps are going to be, um, uh, there's going to be a tiny bit of white water on it. You know, you always be able to to hit those ones on those swell. But it's more going to be high-speed carving and stuff like that I'm going to be excited about. The whole, like, uh, super snappy turn into a small wave hitting the, the white water. The, I think it's, uh, it's okay. It's quite good, actually, to show that part also. But that's not what's going to get me excited because um, I feel like foiling is not exa the ex exact um, ideal toy, I would say, to... To wave right this way even though it does the work fine 
um, knowing to help and face his uh, surfing. I guess I'm kind of the same for, for regular surfing also. Was more into bigger waves, more open open faces down than uh, like from me foiling. Um, a, it's sightseeing. B, it, it's just slightly bigger swell, which is really fun to ride because then you, you just get that sensation of freedom for so much longer, which I think is pretty awesome. Exactly, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you'd like to you'd like to cover? Well, uh, no. no. Um, I think we talked around yeah. all the. <laughs> Good subject, yeah. So I hope um, all the the viewers and stuff like will get a chance to to find um, those new sensations exciting. Like with um, there's a lot of stuff to try, and um, I think it's really important to be keen and curious enough to to try all the good stuff that this whole um, foiling thing is going to be bringing us. Because uh, wing foiling is a great um, example of how could you get into this foiling world. But then, then, then after, there's a, actually quite a lot of other opportunities to enjoy your, yourself with the same follow. You're going to be riding wing foiling, so plenty of stuff to try and to keep being passionate about, like for next fifty years. Oh yeah, I think so. That's my goal. If I can walk, I'll be able to foil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my goal too. Awesome. So for those at home that want to that want to reach out, what's the easiest way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, you could contact us on the social media, like uh, Instagram, Facebook, or on the, the contact address from Foil & Co. Foil & Co is the uh, main company, basically, that's holding AFS and HD. We're also doing HD, uh, HD windsurfing oh. both. Yeah, so you'll find us on the net. And uh, AFS Foil, otherwise, on Instagram. And, uh, okay, Facebook. perfect. Well, hey, Richard, I want to say thanks a lot for joining. And um, looking forward to seeing um, your Thank team you. in Hood River. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Luke.